following is a conversation with Virgie Sanford, DSO of Dynasty, who is looking to change the life of others through her love for people and God. She is truly one of the nicest human beings I had the pleasure of speaking to. This is the Advanced Sales with Nanta podcast. To support it, any constructive feedback would be appreciated. And now, dear friends, here is Virgie Sanford. So, Virgie, if you could be in, like, any cinematic universe, like anime or I don't know if you watch TV shows or movies, which one would you uh, be in and why? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so you're going to learn something about me. <laughs> Renato, I grew up without a TV. Um, <clears throat> so as far as I've, I've never had a TV my entire life. So my parents decided to raise their seven children without a TV. And then when I went off to college... I was like, you know what? I actually really appreciate that, that I was raised without that. I was raised with books instead of, um, they just didn't want the, all, you know, you can get really, you can get plenty of good stuff through the TV and plenty of not good stuff. So they just chose to not have that influence at all. So when I was in college, I talked my roommates into not having a TV. So I've literally never had a TV my entire life. Still do not have a TV, even in my house, which is used as an Airbnb. So I have to always warn people because so many people are addicted and that's a little, you know, that's an adjustment for them. So when you talk about cinematic universes, I'm like, ooh, <laughs> I would have to choose straight up reality. <laughs> or <laughs> would you like, that is the most boring answer we've ever had. <laughs> uh, you know, I would, yeah, I would have to choose or, or my, you know, my eternity that I, that I hope for someday. But as far as one that's cinematic, I cannot, um, I cannot answer that adequately. No, I mean, you're actually the first person I've, I've met that never grew up with the TV. So I guess we can say you're one of a kind, Virgie. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> um, uh, so <clears throat> obviously we, we, as people kind of like change throughout time. So I wanted to ask, like, where do you see yourself in five years? Hmm. I'm glad you asked. So I, um, five years where I see myself is living in South Dakota. So I own a, I own a home in Texas, as you know, and I've been here for 23 years and I own a home in South Dakota that my mom lives in, but I, in five years, I'd see myself owning a, owning a big home in South Dakota on a chunk of land. And <laughs> it's got it because it's got y'all be y'all have to be able to come and visit me. Right. And I have this huge family and I have a really big, I have three big families in my life. I have my natural biological family, right. That's big seven, seven, you know, seven of us kids. I'm on the front end, 15 nieces and nephews. And now they're reproducing too. Um, I've got a big spiritual family and I've got a big work family. Right. And most people aren't, aren't fortunate enough to have their work also be a place that's like a family. And so I want, you know, I want friends and family and even strangers to be welcome in my home. And so I do see myself having a property in the Black Hills of South Dakota, which is a great place to visit. So you can just go ahead and put it on your list of places to come and visit. I see myself um, married to my best friend. I see myself married to a man who's godly and kind and affectionate and personable and um, loves my family and lo lo loves all three of my families. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I see myself being still really invested in um, in my nieces and nephews and their development, helping them um, 
see the value in being courageous, right? And travel and helping them understand the value in loving communication with our creator and with other human beings. Like that's really what I see myself doing is still want to, I want to be someone who for the rest of my life encourages communication with our creator, with God and communication, loving communication with fellow human beings. And it's so funny you're asking me about this because literally on Sunday, I went and read what I wrote like four years ago, as far as what I wanted my life to look like at 50 and what I wanted my life to look like at 75. And so in five years, I will be like, I will, I cannot believe 50 sounds really old, Renato. I don't feel, I don't feel like I'm in my, you know, I, I'm 47. This is what I'm like, this is what 47 looks like. This is so much better than I expected. But anyway, so that's, that is what I would see my life looking like at 50 and as far or you know, in five years. And as far as Southwestern, what I'd written down for my goals, I could literally read this because this is, this is written out. Um, what I saw myself doing and where is it? Virgie's vision for the next few years. That's what I titled it. Um, so I put with Southwestern, I'm part-time with Southwestern. I'm supporting through the phone and zoom and great events. I travel just one or two weeks a month. Mostly I'm developing sales leaders. I encourage a bright future for eternity, like for both here and now, for both now and in eternity. I bring my family to events. Right? Um, I still own property in Texas probably, but anyway, so that's, yeah, that was some of what I'd written. That's actually very interesting because I actually like to journal a lot. And actually, like a few days ago, uh, I think it was this past Sunday, uh, it was it was like late at night and I was going through like the journals that I wrote a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and like, it's crazy because I I usually always write the date and like the the time. And then I write like a little description of what happened that day. And it always just like, it takes you back to that moment. And it's also crazy because I usually like write goals or like where I see myself in the future. And it's crazy how some things like turn out the way you want them to. And then some mm-hmm. things. Are mm-hmm. well, I wanted to ask you, you said that you were reading one that you wrote four years ago, right? Yes. How um, is it like very accurate to like where, you, where you're like getting close to being or? Is it, it is. I was going to, I'm like, do I want to share this with them? <laughs> do I actually want to, do I have screen sharing capabilities here? Sorry, we are, we are, we've got the sunlight coming through here right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> so it lets me share it. Okay. I'm just going to pull this up. You can see I have a couple things open, but this is what I was reading, right? So here we go. So it's like I, I'd written this <clears throat> again, the first version was in 2017. I'm a lighthouse, right? A constant source of love, light, and truth. That's what I want to be. Um, and then I wrote in the different areas of my life, what's important to me. And yes, I am. I would say, am I on track for it? Yeah. Like dynasty 100 that's happened. <laughs> like that goal was written back in 2017. And that one happened in 2022, hundred student leaders, servant leaders united to win through hard work and integrity. So, um, and then this is more like the words kind of an ongoing process. I cherish my family. I invest monthly in my nieces and nephews, their birthdays, adventure days. So this gives a lot more of the details. And then, you know, I kept going 2018. We kind of edited some more, um, and then again, you can see that I wrote this one four years ago, like what I wanted my my life to be like at 50 and at 75. So yes, absolutely. Um, the thing is a lot of my goals are what I would call, they're, they're not destination goals, Renato. They are journey goals. They're journey goals. Um, like a destination goal is, you know, I want to own a Tesla or I want to go visit, um, you know, I want to learn Spanish or I want to go, I want to travel to, I want to do an African safari. I mean, I've done that. Right. So 
the the destination goals, th- those you kind of check off. But I really think mo- for most of us, our happy life is journey goals, journey goals, where it's not something to check off. It's more of an ongoing journey. And so like some of the things that I wrote in here, um, as far as my relationships with my family, for instance, or my relationships, my spiritual walk, um, my health, you know, that's not a you can create a destination goal within your health, like being able to run a mile in this amount of time or doing a marathon or half marathon or doing, you can create, but for me, it's, it's like more of an ongoing journey. I want to be lean, limber, agile, and radiant. Like that's my, that's my health goal. Right. And so how is, you know, I, I um, am in bed seven and a half hours. I drink water and only water pretty much. I eat sugar only when I'm with friends, (laughs) Um, very little sugar fighter processed food stretch every day. So you know, it's more of a journey. It's not a, it's not a, I'm going to do this really awesome thing for just a short period. It's like, no, it's an ongoing life thing, right? Life journey. It's my relationship with my, with my nieces and nephews. Some of the stuff I wrote in here, I cherish my family. I invest monthly in each niece and nephew, their birthdays, their adventure days. Um, I help them learn to love travel and adventures and doing things outside their comfort zone. I encourage the values and integrity, kindness, work ethic, and respect for our career. Again, that's not a destination. That's a journey goal, like the rest of my life, right? They trust me. I encourage the best of them and love them and accept them. Um, I bring them into fellowship if that's something they're open to. I live a Christ-filled life before them of joyful service, not condemning or preaching, just living it. Some days I do this well and some days I don't do this well, right? But this is more of a journey goal. So I think... I think it's really healthy to have some journey goals because if we just have check the box off goals, it's like, that gets a little bit wearisome, honestly. Right. You're more more focused on the result, I would say. Mm -hmm. Edgar always tells us that it's better to like focus on the person you want to be instead of what you want to be because eventually in our future, it's obviously, it's always, always uh, very uncertain. So we might, Mm -hmm. but we're always trying to be that, like that person. Yes. Yes. And yes. Virgie, I know you touched like briefly about getting mm-hmm. married. I actually have this in one of my questions. Do you believe in true love, love at first sight or in the one? Oh man, do I believe in true love, love at first sight? And was the last question the one? Do I believe in the one? The one? Um, and sorry, I know my my the, the sun is coming through this window here. So we're just having to work. Woo! Wow, that's bright. Okay. <laughs> so um I think some people can experience love at first sight. And what I would say is if you don't experience that, that doesn't mean that you're lesser or that your love is less or that um you're flawed. You know, I don't I don't think I think some people do experience that. I don't think everyone experiences that, right? I think love can look different. Um, as far as the one, I, um, <laughs> I'm going to speak from a, a place of hope here, right? A place of hopefulness, Renato, about this, because I'm in the same boat as you. I am not married. I am single and I've chosen to be single. And I've, I've had lots and lots and lots of options to not be single in my life. I've had um, lots of options. Of, I'm like, I said no to, to marriage with that one and 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 that one. I'm pretty sure I made the right choice with all those. Right. Uh-huh. And so it's like, when will it be the one? And so, um, for me, partly that's, that's, you know, I do pray about it. Right. I do hope that there is, um, the one as in, um, like, I do believe that I have a, I have a heavenly father that helps that, that knows me 
better and knows who else is in the world. I don't know the billions of op, you know options out there. And I'm positive that out of the billions of men in the world, 99.99999% of them would not be a fit for me. But um, anyway, so I do, I do in that respect, believe there can be the one, right? Um, I also think the one is a choice though. Right. I think the one is a choice and um, it's choosing to, you know what, I'm going to love this one and I'm choosing this one as my one. And I think that is, again, it's the journey thing that we were just talking about. It's not a destination. It's a journey and choosing someone as the one. So I do, um, I do hope at some point that there will be a man that I want to, that I want to let be the one Mm -hmm. and where I'll be his one. And, um, I just haven't had, I guess there's been, again, there's been lots of options, but not one, somebody where I felt that my life would be better, better with them. Mm-hmm. Right. I have a really, really good life and most dudes would make it worse. <laughs> All right. So, and, and I, I probably just haven't, a lot of it is I probably haven't been in a place to want to be in a relationship. And now I finally am. So that's, that's kind of a fun, a new place. Again, we're, we're getting, you're getting the lines here of my, of my window. That's where the lines of my face are the, from the window in front of me. Go ahead. It's actually very interesting because I used to be very, I guess you can call me hopeless romantic and I would like to leave in that, but I feel like it's more of you turning yourself into the one for someone else and then mm-hmm. not really focusing on like meeting the one, you know what I mean? So basically mm-hmm. becoming the best person that you can be. Yes. Yes. Oh. Yes. Because two oh. half peoples, you know, you know, two half individuals, two unhealthy individuals don't make a whole relationship, right? So right. it's yes, it's two healthy individuals. Yes, agreed. So Bergie, I want to go more into towards your first experiences in Southwestern. So sure. um when you first went into the program, um what was like your why into like doing such a thing like this? Mm-hmm. Like what was mm-hmm. the reason? Yes. So I was a 19 year old freshman when I interviewed with Southwestern Advantage. And this was Renato. This was so far out of my comfort zone. Like I was not a match for this at all. Right. Edgar, I mean, I interviewed Edgar. I know he was way more of a match. I'm going to get out of the sun here because this is like too late. Oh, that works. Okay. So (laughs) like that works way better than straight sun. So, um, yeah, I, I was not a natural for this at all, um, at all. So I was kind of, you know, I was from a small town and uh, grew up sort of sheltered, but I also grew up working really, really hard. I did grow up working hard. And when I heard about Southwestern, I, I was, I sat in this information meeting with about 15 people and Jeff left two of us in the room. He dismissed, you know, there were the, they, you know, when you do the split partway into the information meeting, there's those that leave. And he thought I wanted to leave because I had, I was not, I was not answering a lot of questions. I wasn't really interacting with him, but that's just because I was kind of intimidated, you know, <laughs> with all these other people and kind of quiet and shy. But anyway, um, he's like, did you want to leave as well? I was like, no, 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 I want to stay. I want to, I want to get more information. And so then um, he broke out people at the end for the screening interview. And it was myself and this one other guy. And you know how you've got the, the sheet where you're filling out and there's a couple questions at the bottom. Do you believe you're qualified? And then, and then, you know, do you want to apply? And so um, first question, yes, I believe I'm qualified. And then the second question back then used to say, if you get selected, would you be committed? 
was like, Ooh, so I was the one that asked him, um, do I need to let you know today about this? <laughs> that was me. That was me. I was scared. You know, I didn't even identify it as fear, but that's what was going on. Renato. I was scared. And he just looked at me and he goes, Virgie, you know, whether or not you can handle this, like, you know, that whether or not you should go for this. And then he went to the other guy and asked the other guy questions. And I looked at my sheet and I was like, oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> like right then and there, I knew I needed to go for it or not, you know? And so um, what made me kind of decide to jump is it, it was again, so far out of my comfort zone. I'd never thought about doing business like ever, ever, ever in my life. I, you know, I figured it's either really boring jobs like accounting where you're just looking at numbers or something, or it's those very type A rah, type men, which I'm not. And, um, and I'd always thought about sales being something that I don't know. And so I would have never pictured myself going for this. But when I learned about it, I was like, wow, can I work that hard? I don't know but it's time to find out. Can I handle living that far from home? I think I can do that one, but can I talk to total strangers and sell stuff? <gasps> oh, I'm terrified of that. And so that's, I decided to go for it. And, um, and my, thankfully I had a good friend from high school that I'd known since seventh grade. She was, she was already on the team. She had recommended me, right? She had team membered me. She was a first year. And she was really confident. She's like, Virgie, um, one of these guys from our high school, she's like, he did this. He did this last summer. He made $6,000. If he can make that Yahoo can make $6,000, you and I can totally make $6,000 too. We can, we can do this. So her confidence as a first year helped me a lot with my confidence. And um, my first summer was such a, such an incredible growing up experience. My world went from, this is who I am. And this is what I'm capable of to like, wow, I can do anything, but really I can do anything. And that, uh, I don't know, that that's why, that's why I'm here today, Renato, is because it was a life-changing experience for me. And the rest of my life became different because of that first summer, the options I had, the friendships I had, what I believed possible, my courage, my willingness to do things outside of my comfort zone. Um, one of the most important things I learned from that information meeting on was to, to instead of avoiding things where I noticed fear pop up. When fear pops up to be like, huh, get curious, get curious instead of run, 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 run. Cause I'm naturally a flight person. Run, 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 run. Um, be like, Ooh, that intimidates me a little bit. Okay. Ah, all right. You know, and, and get curious instead of just getting scared. Right. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was a life-changing experience. So I knew after that first summer, I'd work with Southwestern all the way through college. Cause I knew anything else would be a step down. Hmm. And um, when I, you know, when I was going into my fourth summer and graduating, I knew that I needed to maximize the learning curve, the leadership learning curve. So I knew I was going to full-time. I didn't ever expect to be here 27 years later. Like that was not, you know, I didn't ever, I would have never seen myself capable of leading 270 people or wanting to do it. Right. And um, that's something I grew into. So I'm grateful that Southwestern is a vehicle where sometimes we can grow into things that we don't see possible way back here, but we just grow into it as we just keep going. Mm -hmm. What I was trying to get at with that question is that I feel like a lot of the people that do fairly well in the program are people that basically went through like certain experiences before the summer. For example, mm. um, before going to the summer, I felt like I had like uh not very like crazy family issues, but I definitely had like a few problems there. Uh, girlfriend left me. Uh, I wasn't taking good like 
care of myself mentally, physically, and I wasn't really sure of like what I wanted to do in life. And I feel like other people like he probably doesn't mind me sharing a little bit of this, but Jesus also, for example, he got kicked out of school because of some like tragic thing that happened. Not really gonna go into that. Uh, I think Pamela also had a very like like good experience that led her into like getting committed to this. So did you happen to have any of those experiences going into your summer or was it more like, I want to like take the challenge? No, um, I had, I would say growing up, I mean, I had no idea how well prepared I was for the book field before, because I would have thought, you know, I, I had no confidence in my ability to sell, but I had no idea how well my life had prepared me for the book field before I ever went to the book field. Mm -hmm. um, and really I can go, like, I think I would have been ready for the book field in ninth grade, literally as a freshman in high school, I think I would have been ready. Um <clears throat> And I say that because when I was in sixth grade, the summer I went into sixth grade, my mom, my mom had number six, she had sibling number six and, um, and she got really, really sick. So I basically was the mother for my family and took care of them. And then starting in eighth grade, I had my first job job and that was to deliver papers. So I got myself up at four o'clock in the morning and, um, went and did my paper route. Like even when it was 30 below zero in South Dakota and I'm waddling around in my, my parka and I'm so cold and crying because I'm so cold, but, <laughs> but I'm delivering my papers because they have to be delivered by 6am. And then I got my papers delivered and then I come back home and make breakfast for the family and then go to school, you know, yeah. and like doing that in eighth and ninth grade and leaving, you know, I, I went and um, was a nanny in Chicago the summer after ninth grade, like each summer I worked super hard. I just, I just worked a ton and took care of my family and had way more responsibility than most people do before they're 30, honestly. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that really, that helped me get really prepared for college and really prepared for the book field way more. So it just, just, it doesn't matter if you feel like it or not, you go to work anyway. Doesn't matter if you're sad or crying or it's raining or it's 30 below zero, you get the job done anyway. <laughs> you know, So yeah, my life prepared me for that. But then um, that spring before this, before my summer, I faced massive, massive adversity with my family and um, like vehement opposition to me doing this from my mom and my dad and my roommates. Um, I mean, it was the only time in my life my mother's hung up on me. The only time in my life was when I called her to tell her I was going to sell books. And I'd already been selected for the team. I didn't think it'd be a big deal. I'm like one less kid at home. And she freaked out. So there was no way I was going to quit. There was no way, you know, and my mom and I laugh about it now, but it, you know, back then she really was scared for me. She really was like, how is my South Dakota daughter going to, how does she think she's going to be like 2000 miles away from us selling stuff? And like my mom says that she couldn't see herself doing it, you know, small town, but my, but my dad was a logger. My mom was a nurse. She couldn't see them doing it. And so it's like, how does our daughter think she's going to do this thing that we've, there's no way, you know? So she was just scared for me. Um, and my roommates were, were very unsupportive, but, um, ironically, one of them, uh, my third summer came out and sold books herself and ended up being the number one first year in the company and, um, went out the next summer and did well, married a book man, <laughs> you know? but it just, it just took them a while. Right. They had to see me live through it. And it's like, okay, maybe it's real. Maybe it's not a pyramid scheme. All right. You know? <laughs> uh, but, um, so yeah, I had major adversity from, um, before I came on out to the, the book field from my, my mom, especially, and my roommates, just well-meaning friends that, 
Um, and I, I remember when I, there, there was one particular day, my first summer where I was jogging to the next door and you know how it is where it's sunny and it's beautiful and the birds are chirping and I'm singing as I'm going jogging to the next house. And I just stop on the sidewalk. And I'm like, Erica thought I couldn't do this. She thought I couldn't do this. Mm-hmm. And Jason thought that I was really dumb. And this, you know, ha, ha, ha. So I'm jogging. Erica and her, her boyfriend, Jason were like, they gave me such a tough time. Anyway, so it was like, I'm stronger than they thought. I'm stronger than I thought. And I'm stronger than they thought, you know? So, um, yeah, I think that was, I think that was part of what made me so determined to have a good summer that like, there was no way I would quit. No way. And no way I would call home complaining, Mm -mm. you know? So it was good adversity. Thank you. Actually, I felt like I went into my summer with that same mentality since you had so many people to like worry about, I probably like slipped by, but you know how you're supposed to write a letter to yourself in case like something like that happens. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't even write one because I was pretty sure I wasn't going to like quit. Mm. But um, I wanted to get more into like the technical stuff. So regardless of like how many units anyone sells, I feel like a lot of people go through the same pressure of comparing themselves to last year and asking themselves, am I going to do like, the same or am I going to do like worse you know what I mean yes and I feel like that yes. adds a little bit of pressure to everyone yes uh, how, do you, how did you how do you how back in your days how did you deal with that yeah so my first summer I think I told you I did five and a half thousand units my first summer I was the number two first year and and all of it and even I worked super hard right I averaged 85 hours a week I averaged over 90 sit downs a week or maybe right at 90 um I had a lot of customers, but there was still a part of me that was, you know, that thought, what if it was my territory? I mean, they said it wasn't my territory, but what if it was, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and what if it was just that I had a great org and a great team? And what if I can't do it? What if it was just luck? What if I was lucky? So I think everybody who has a good summer as a first year has a fear about that their second summer. And everybody who had maybe a really hard summer their first summer and maybe had some schedule issues or maybe Bayport. It's like, what if, what if I, what if I fall into those same traps? I think everybody is scared going to their second summer. Um, <clears throat> after my second summer, I kind of knew that no, really the work works like really <laughs> whatever territory I'm thrown in, whatever circle, because everything went wrong my second summer. Right. I had roommates quit. I had, you know, I shouldn't say everything because there were different things that went wrong, different summers, but, um, yeah. After my second summer, I knew more that no, really, if I work, it works. So, um, so your question was kind of, how did I deal with that? Right? Like, how did I get my peace with that? So, uh, and this is where Renato, if I was just talking to you, I would actually ask you questions instead of, oh, okay. <laughs> instead of is that okay? Okay. So Renato, why are you, why are you doing summer number two? Like what, when you look back on it 20 years from now, mm-hmm. when you look back on it 20, like when you're, or when you're 60 or when you're, or even two years from now, goodness sakes, mm-hmm. when you say, oh my goodness, that's, that summer was a great summer. What makes it a great summer? If you can look back, even the end of August, at the end of August, if you can say this, is, I'm, I, this was a great summer. I'm proud of this summer. I feel right. good about this summer. So I, I feel like this might sound kind of like, what would I say? Egotistical? Maybe? Who knows? Uh, I feel like I'm probably, even if I don't have the experience, I feel like my intentions are placed in like the right 
place. So I feel like as a student leader, there are very few people that are going to care as much as I do about the people going to the first year. So I'm willing to like, I don't know, work an extra hour if I have to, to make sure that my first year, even if I don't have one right now, or like someone else's, even if, it, if they're not mine, I really don't care. I'm just going to like try to work with them, try to push them and try to make sure that they have the best summer that they can have. Mm -hmm. And I feel mm -hmm. like there's a lot of people that they say they have that mentality of, oh, like I want to do it for someone else. I can, I feel like I have a little bit, I have a small understanding of why it did so good which is was mental it was which was just to focus on things like like doing it for like the, the families you know try to leave them in a better place mm -hmm. not taking rejection um personally mm -hmm. things like that that I feel like maybe a lot of people don't think about it until like their third second third fourth summer and mm -hmm. if someone can go into their first year with that like ingrained to their brain I feel like it's going to make a big difference also like the challenges that those people are going to go through they're going to like push themselves out of their comfort zones out of like their usual work uh life and and i know it's going to like do them a lot better mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so the question um the question i'm going to ask our student leaders in sales school that i'll ask you now is at check-in if you can say it was a good summer why why was it a good summer mm -hmm. why was it a good summer yeah you, you know, can say this is a summer i feel great about go ahead as long as i keep like focus on like the things i know that i can do such as my controllables and as long as i keep having people being left at a better place and as long as i can go to sleep knowing that the people I'm sleeping with are working as hard as me and they're trying to like work as hard as me, perhaps maybe as long as I keep doing those things and keep doing them for the right reasons. I think I can, I can say that I had a pretty good summer, regardless of the units. Mm -hmm. So if you focus on the controllables, right, mm -hmm. working hard every day, no matter how you feel, you treated people really well. Mrs. Jones really well, treated your roommates really well. What if your roommates aren't working as hard as you? What if they're not focused on that? At the end of the summer, how can you still say it was a good summer? I mean, as long as <laughs> setting an example, you know? Yes. 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 Can't really control like how they work. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. But you've done the example. You've led by example and cared about them, right? So, um, at the end of August, it was, if it was a bad summer, if it was a summer you do not feel at all good about, why was it a bad summer? You know, probably the opposite of what I just said. Uh, I find myself right now a little more distracted than like before I went into my first summers. So as long as I can like tune that up and, and I know that I can be a hundred percent focused. Also, I feel like having a self, a good self-esteem really helps, you know, because you just <laughs> feel good about yourself. Right? You don't, take rejection personally um mm -hmm. but yeah i would have a bad summer that's the thing like if i'm not working as hard as i work this person mm -hmm. yeah so you just boiled it down notice you didn't say anything about how many times you hit pc mm -hmm. you didn't say anything about the number of units that you hit you didn't say anything about what kind of territory you worked 
He didn't say anything about, well, it'll be like, if I've had a great summer, it was because I was in X, Y, Z kind of territory. If I've had a bad summer, you didn't say anything about the kind of territory you're in. You didn't say anything about what happened with the rest of your org, right? You didn't say anything about um, what the weather was like or what car problems you did or did not have. (laughs) So ultimately, like, and, and sometimes in the middle of the experience, Renato, we can get distracted by those other things. But the truth is in August, if you feel great about your summer and a year from now and 20, 20 years from now, if you feel great about summer 2023, it's because of the choices you made when you were alone, that you led by example when nobody was watching, that you treated people well, you treated families well, you truly were out there to serve families, right? Like you said, you focused on the the controllables, your effort and your attitude. And that just simplifies it. That simplifies it, Renato. And you're going to notice yourself, like you're going to notice yourself. Like I, I think the words that you use, you're a little distracted, right? It's it's not as, um, boy, it is a little harder than your first summer when you came in with no, with no real expectations. Now you have an expectation for yourself, but you want to keep speaking truth to yourself that, uh, that the units Again, you're not going to be talking to your kids about the units 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you did 4,000 units or 12,000 units in summer 2023, your kids have no clue what that means, right? Um, you won't be telling stories about, and then I sold this many units, you know? Um, so just, you just want to keep perspective of what actually matters. Also, I've noticed that as time progresses, people usually get better. And that's clearly what we're seeing here. Um, for example, it was like very, very, a few years ago and I was like a milestone and it still is to hit 10,000 units. But I feel like as time progresses, that's gonna become very like normal. And mm-hmm. then the new the new norm or like the new milestone is gonna be like 20,000. Mm-hmm. And obviously people like Peter are like making that possible. So what do you think is the difference between someone like Peter that is selling like 20,000 units, 30,000, and someone like me who's selling more like 4,000, 4.5? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're going to ask Peter this question as well, right? <laughs> you haven't yet. Uh, yeah. So what I see, I see, um, this is the thing I talked to that, that I, I use, all, I always use the word endurance for Edgar, his endurance. And I think Peter had endurance even over more weeks, right? So Peter maybe sold 16 or 18 weeks instead of, you know, Edgar maybe sold 12, right? But incredible endurance to work just as consistently day after day after day after day, like with the healthy self-talk, with the focus on being an excellent professional, with using Facebook and giving every giving every family a great demo, um, staying checked in, not having any off goal periods, like that kind of endurance, mental and emotional endurance is really unusual. So I think there's lots of people that can be focused and checked in and present and joyful for, you know, a day or two, or maybe a week or two, or maybe a goal period or two, right? But to have that kind of, and, and oftentimes it's affected by, um, who they meet right away in the morning. They happen to, you know, in the first goal period or two, they happen to meet this really cool mom who bought something, bought a lot from them. And then they're like, oh, it's going to be a great day. And lo and behold, it was a great day. But regardless of who, regardless of your day being at the happen chance of who you meet 
in the first one or two goal periods. It's like having that kind of mental and emotional discipline to make it a great day every day based on effort and attitude, how you treat people, just that kind of consistency. So I think, I think that, I think there's probably plenty of other people at Southwestern there is, that are as talented as Peter, right? Have maybe as, maybe even are as good as a, of a listener as Peter, maybe um, are, you know, again, as good technically as a Peter or a, um, although they are very, again, very, very good technically, very, you know, very, very present, all that, but maybe are just more inconsistent in it. So you, you use the word interns, but you also say the word consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, question. Yes. Uh, this is going to be more like, I guess, numbers and units focus. What was mm-hmm. like minimum and then your maximum units that you did throughout your career? And how, what change made you go from like the leap of X to Y? Sure. So um, I'll just give you my history. So I did about five and a half thousand units my first summer. I did about 56, 5,700 my second summer. Um, my third summer, I wrote up over 6,000 units, but I delivered 5,800. And that was because of some PR issues that I caused in my own territory. So I had no confidence in my ability to get better at sales my fourth summer, because I was already pretty good at sales, but I knew that my, like, I knew that how I'd feel about the summer, my fourth summer would have to do with my integrity. So my fourth summer was when I finally got focused on my integrity and just having a pure summer, a pure summer. If you've, um, there's a, an advanced sales CD that I did a few years ago for sales school. And it was all about integrity, just a pure summer. So my, um, fourth, fifth summer, no, fourth summer, I jumped to seven and a half thousand units, fifth, fifth summer to 9,100 units, sixth summer to 10,300 units, seventh summer, I did right at 10,000 units. I should have stayed out there a little bit longer just to go ahead and beat the previous summer. But anyway, I was checking people out. Um, and then after that, I did short summers as a DSL. I did, I did two, I did two short summers after that. Like my last summer was, um, my night summer. I was out there for six weeks, but I followed and had, um, I did three and a half thousand units in, in four weeks, basically. You, when you say integrity, is it more like integrity when you're explaining the product integrity, when you're working integrity with like yourself, like, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by integrity? Yeah. Like integrity is it's like a, a pureness all the way through right? All the way through. So integrity has to do, yes, with, with the stats we count, like complete, like just complete honesty with that. Every word that came out of my mouth, every testimonial that I used, but also integrity, even in my self-talk, right? So um, I don't know. It's, it's like, it's almost false to between doors be, be like, oh, so why are people being so rude today? I don't know what's up with people. And then you get to the door and you're like, hi, you must be the mom. Like that there's a, there's, there's not integrity with that. Right. So it's like an integrity, even when I allow to run around my head and what's coming out of my mouth, that there's just a pureness and a wholeness with that. And uh, boy, that, how do you know you had a pure summer? How do you know you had a pure summer? It's that you could live in your school district you work. You could live in the territory you worked in. If you could live in the territory you worked in, like live in that neighborhood, live in any of those neighborhoods, then it's there's there's a that's that's a that's a wholeness. That's an integrity. That's a pureness in that summer. 
It's actually interesting you say that. Never thought about that. Um, some people like myself sometimes fight with conviction with the product. Do you have any like tips on how to like increase your conviction? Maybe study the products a little bit more, or is it more like just believing that you don't have a thing for the right reason? No, I think I think debt. It's like anything else. Um, you want to, um, like with people, how do we how do we like people? So we spend enough time with them, ask enough questions till we care, right? So same with our products, spend enough time with them till you actually till you find stuff that you really like, genuinely like. So with the advantage books, for instance, I mean, I I love books, right? So going through it and just finding things that you, you genuinely think are really cool. And how would families like this or how would families use that or what would, but just find things that you think are cool, <clears throat> whether it's the, the, the chart with all the elements where you're like, why that's like 5,000 Google searches all in one for real, all in one place. <laughs> or, or, um, man, I like in, in our, in our books, the Latin roots, you know, for different words. I'm like, this is interesting. This is stuff I didn't even study that I think is just interesting, you know, or having all your formulas and whatever you think is interesting, go through them enough that you find things that you genuinely think are cool. Um, <clears throat> something else that helped me is I have all these little nieces and nephews and I saw this, I saw the garbage that they are watching Renato. Oh my goodness. Like on YouTube. Uh, what see what my little five and six year old niece and nephew are watching I'm like oh my gracious let me hook you up with squids okay uh -huh. let's get something that actually is good for your brain like uh -huh. total garbage out there for kids right. as far as what they're watching you know so you may need to what might be helpful too is just to see what else is out there and see the comparison and be like whoa that is not good for kids to watch it's a show that's geared towards kids but what they're doing is you know i don't know anyway sign into their friends little this little box their friends sitting in and where they're like oh is he gonna find me and he signed through it and anyway just just ridiculous stuff you know so um it helps us appreciate our products and the things that we the, the good stuff that we get to put in front of families so basically study our products find something interesting and kind of like look at the other mm -hmm. alternatives and realize mm -hmm. that they're better mm -hmm. off okay Yep. And there, I mean, there are a lot of books out there too for kids and you're going to find a lot you're going to see that most books out there are, again, they're just stories, right? They're stories or they're, and I like Dr. Seuss, right? That's fun and everything. And if you want something that's really educational, I don't know, we just, we just have a unique product offering. What is your favorite part of the sales cycle? And do you feel like it, like you had a niche over, over others in that specific part? Hmm. Hmm. My favorite part of the sales cycle, I think I had a really, really good intro where, you know, sitting down with a family and just connecting with them, liking them, them liking me, laughing with the kids. Um, <clears throat> and, and really in the intro with names, like ideally you do the names, you, you do the intro through your names, right? Through names, the testimonials. So, so your intro becomes, um, becomes just, you're kind of just doing a series of testimonials and then an awesome buying atmosphere and really meeting that buying atmosphere. And so <clears throat> I would tell them, uh, like, let's, let's say it's a mom that has a, a four, a four-year-old and a fourth grader, right? So I can show her the kids books and, and the, um, advantage books. <clears throat> so I would just tell her, um, 
with my, my buying atmosphere, I'd say, tell you what, mom, I'm going to let, I'm going to let you shop. I'm going to show you what I got. Some moms get it all. Some moms get bits and pieces. I'm going to let you shop. And if you like something and see your family using it, then buy it. I take orders today. I can either deliver them to you right away, or I can deliver them at the end of August. The only favor I ask is I see, I see 30 moms a day. So I only have a chance to show it to each mom once, but you're going to know in two minutes whether or not you want something, right? So all the moms have been great about just giving me a big yes or a big no. So sound cool. All right. So that was my buying atmosphere and it was just fun and it was light. And I lighted, I liked letting moms shop, you know? So of course you're always going to have, you're always going to start with the advantage books, right? So I show it to her. If I show her a bit, I'm going to kind of check in, see how she's, you know, how's this looking pretty cool. Not so much. Or do you want to see a little bit more to decide? So how's this looking so far? Pretty cool. Not so much. Or do you want to see a little bit more to decide after I've shown her something, right? Uh, <clears throat> and then I might show her the kids books too, or show her the FBL or show her, um, you, know, you can show her the topic source or whatever. She can tack it on. She can leave it off. Um, but anyway, just letting, letting them shop and having some fun with it. So I, yeah, I really liked my intro. I liked my buying atmosphere and I did do a shorter intro and there were two, because I worked big brick. And so I did get to it more. And then there were parts of the, um, parts of the intro that I would weave into the demo. So when talking about helping kids, how mom and dad can't help kids anymore, that kind of stuff, I would just do that when I would do that part of the intro, when I was explaining the books, when I was showing them the books in the demo. So I just kind of wove some of that stuff into the demo versus doing everything in the intro. So yeah, loved my intro. I was actually interesting because my next question was, um, do you have any clever ways of increasing package sizes? Because I, I'm, I feel like I'm at a point where I, I know how to get sit downs, and, but it's converting the sit downs into closings, right? Closings. Mm -hmm. But you kind of like just answer that. So basically, what you do is you like show them everything and you let them pick. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's not at the end where it's like, okay, which ones do you want to price on? And they're like, um, probably all of it. And you're like, okay, this is this price. That's that price. That That's not how it works at Target. If you go shopping at Target or any other store for that matter, it's the cart. If you shop online, it's the cart price, right? So as you showed them each thing, you always, of course, you always start with the advantage books. If they've got kindergarten on up, you're going to start, you know, we're starting with the advantage books or first grade on up. So you show it to them and then you check in. And sometimes they're like, ah, I just don't see our family using it, you know? No problem. Let's toss that one. So you toss it and then you go to the next one be like, you're doing great. You guys are doing great. And you give them a quick, you know, quick little demo of that one. How's this one look? Should we keep it out? Should we toss it? Should we put it in the cart or toss it out? They're like, oh, we like that one. Cool. And you go to the next one. Da -da -da, quick demo. How's this one look? Cart, toss, or do you want to stay a little bit more to decide? They're like, um, we like that one too. So then at the end, I know if we've got, maybe we've got the advantage books and the ask me's and the FBL. That's what we've got in our cart. Okay. Or maybe if they have older kids, maybe we have the advantage books, the core four, the core four and, um, the CEA, the art. So the, the college interest advantage digital, the CED, right. Or maybe we have the core four and the topic source and honors, or maybe we have the core four, you know, so you can always take stuff out of the cart, right. You can always take stuff out of the cart later, but they, they put, they chose what to put in the cart. Right. And then you give them a bright, a great price buildup on the cart. Okay. And we know that we always lean back with the clothes. So you're doing the clothes. And if they're like, oh man, I just don't think we can do that. Ooh, you know, <clears throat> and say, that's okay, mom. I tell you what, you've got a lot of stuff on your cart. You've got a lot of stuff in your cart. Let's pick the one that's your favorite that, you know, you guys are going to use a lot where you're like, that one's really worth it. And we'll toss everything else off. So which one's, which one's your favorite? She's like, well, let's see. I don't know. Maybe I really... Oh, you know, and 
So maybe we end up just keeping the the core four. Or, but you need to it needed to break it down a lot. Like it was, if it was the core four and the explore and learn in there, you can't just take the explore and learn out. Like you've got to break it down a lot. Okay. So that's the thing. The price drop has got to be huge. It can't, it can't go from $900 to $800 to $700. It's got to be from 900 to like 300, <laughs> you know? So, <clears throat> and she's like, well, I really like the explore and learns. Be like, cool, let's leave that in the cart. And then you do, you and you give her a little more information. You always give them new information to make a decision on. And then you reclose. So new information, new quick price buildup and reclose. And that's a very interesting way to do it. But the only problem that I see with that is that you might eventually run into having longer sit downs. So is it something I, I, I see how it would like work, definitely would work in like big break, but is it something that you can actually do in any any type of income or, or is you just it have to do yes, you just have to do short ones, right? Like I wouldn't if I'm working if I'm working trailer cores, which hopefully you're not working a lot of those, but you know, some people, some people do just have poor stuff. Like, I think it's always good to show the core four, right? If they have school-age kids, it's always good to show the core four. Like, I'm not going to show them the CEA if they have a sixth grader. I'm not going to show them the CEA if they don't have ninth grade on up. Okay. Or maybe eighth grade at the very, the, lo the lowest. Um, <clears throat> so there's certain things you're just not even going to show, right? You're not going to show the kids book that they have probably fifth grade on up. Right. So you just, you, you kind of use your judgment there, but, um, even if they have, like, I'm a believer in showing the package, the package, like kids books, plus swag books, plus kids books in less than 14 minutes, less than 14 minutes. So it's not doing this super long demo. I mean, people generally know fast. Like if you show them a little bit and you check in and you're like, how's this looking? And they're like, eh, I don't think that's for us. Cool. Next. Well, we'll toss it. Let's give it up. You know? So it's really fast. So it's, it's not demoing everything, 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 like you're checking in with people. So the quick selling point. So it's maybe 30 seconds on kids, you know, it's just, it's quick. Okay. I got it. So just quick demos. And mm -hmm. um, I have the like fun sector where essentially what I'm doing is I'm asking the person I'm interviewing to ask the next person a question, but you don't know who the next person is. So you are my, since you are the first person I interviewed, I asked a friend and he asked, how do you get more referrals? Like, what is the sauce? Like, you know what I mean? What's the sauce? Yes. Okay. To be honest, I could have and should have done a way better job back, back when I was selling, we didn't have sales. We didn't have um, sales rabbit. It wasn't as easy to track referrals and I didn't ever do a great job with that. I wish I had done a better job with it. I kind of accidentally did some of them. Um, but I, this isn't going to surprise you. The best way to get great referrals is that, um, <laughs> two things you like them, you vibe with them where they're like, I want my friends to meet you Renato, right? They want their friends to meet, to meet you. So that's the first thing is that you, you vibe with them. You like them. They like you, you're leaving them in a great place. And the second thing is you ask, that's it. That's it. That's it. Well, it sounds very, very normal, I guess. Very easy. Um, Ergie, what do you think is the purpose that God gave you? Huh. You know, it's so interesting you asked this. Because um, I went, it was a couple weeks ago. 
um, when I was writing my goals and I was reading goals that I'd written back in 2009 and, um, in my, in my journal back then. And I had at some point in there, I'd, it occurred to me, I wonder what God's goals are for me. Like, what are God's goals for me? And so I went and looked that up in the Bible and that word goal isn't hardly anywhere in the Bible. It's like once in there, right? Um, <clears throat> I reach for the mark. I reach for the goal, but the word purpose is in there a lot. Um, the word purpose and our purpose is really that that's, that's like our goal. What is our goal? What's our purpose? And so, um, there's a verse that we probably all like it's Romans eight twenty eight, And it says, um, all things work together for good to those that love God that are called according to his purpose, his purpose. And then the next verse tells us, tells us what his purpose is. What is his calling? for me, right? It's his purpose. And that's where it talks about basically Jesus, that we're conformed to the image of his son of Jesus. So we can be the, he can be the firstborn of many assembly and so, amongst, amongst many, like amongst many. So what it basically means is that God's purpose for me is to be part of his family eternally. So that's like, that's the broad, what God's purpose is for human beings broadly is that he wants us to be able to be with him for eternity. So I believe that's for everyone, not just for me. I think my unique calling, like what that looks like in this lifetime, um, I think my calling is to, again, this is broadly for Virgie, it's to be a conduit to help people want, um, want a relationship with their creator and to encourage loving communication between human beings. So that, that I think is my purpose is to encourage communication with our creator and loving communication between human beings. I happen to do it through this really intense program. I happen to do it as an aunt. I happen to do it as a daughter and a sister and a neighbor and a friend. Um, but I think that is my calling to help encourage loving communication between human beings and between human beings and their creator. Nice. Do you think your nephews are going to sell books? You know, I hope some of them do. I hope so. I think some of them will. And some of my nieces, you met, you probably, you met one of my nieces, right? At, at, um, I was so, I was so impressed by Elisa as a 15 year old, a sophomore in, in high school, just, jumping in and meeting people and not worried about yeah stood her ground it was it was very nice seeing such a young lady being very confident herself um let's say that like taking god outside aside i know like he's the like the like thing and whatnot but let's say that taking him aside what would you say is the meaning of life hmm hmm Wow. For me, they're completely intertwined, yeah. right? They are like, I, I think that life would be, I know there's people that have a good life without having God. Mm -hmm. um, it's just that that ends at some point. It ends, it ends with being a pile of dirt underground, <laughs> you know, presumably or, or scattered on the ground or whatever, but being a pile of dirt, you know? So then, then the purpose ends there. And so um, the, the meaning of life ends there. So anyway, for me, they are intertwined. It's seeing people as a soul that every human being has a soul in them, something that's valuable, something that's valuable. And that is eternal. And, uh, 
I, I do think like the meaning of life is to, um, is to help others, right? It's to help others okay. and to recognize they have a soul and um, love that soul. Yeah, I definitely feel the same way. I feel like we're, we're meant to, I feel like the meaning of life is to like keep changing, keep growing as people and helping each other grow. <laughs> I briefly skipped over this part, in, uh, Bridgie, but like you're supposed to ask someone else a question. It can be like technical advanced sales. It can be personal. It can be funny. Okay. What is your question to the next person? Hmm. I would say at the end of life, um, at the end of life, what are the most, what are the most important, I don't know if I want to say goals you want to have accomplished. Maybe I should reword this. Um, what are your most important journey goals? How about that? What are your most important journey goals? Or again, they're not a destination goal, but it's more of an ongoing lifelong process. Mm -hmm. And finally, do you have any questions for me? Oh, Renato. (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, there's, there's, 50 I could add the same the same list from that you asked me I could be like here you go mm-hmm. but I'll ask you that Renata what are your most important journey goals in your life most important journey goals I definitely want to keep being a man of work ethic integrity um I feel like I can definitely become more more focused I feel like sometimes I like a little I like a little bit of focus because sometimes I just don't feel like doing things, you know, we, we all do. And just having that discipline to like overcome that, that it's not what I'm feeling. It's what I'm supposed to do, you know, but definitely also very, I want to be a loving man. I want to be recognized not for my result, but for, for giving others opportunities for mm-hmm. being, um, what's the word? Um, it's not, um, I don't know. I forgot the word, but humilde, I guess. Not 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 humble, actually. I was gonna say humble, but uh, I I'm being a brain for just just be a good person overall, honestly. And I definitely want to keep learning. When I have, I want to be like um. I feel like a lot of people, as long as soon as they finish college, they stop like their their learning journey, and mm-hmm. I just want to like keep learning all the way until I die mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's a great objective always learning always loving mm-hmm. always growing right. I just Love feel like us. that's where the the happiness is like it's where like the, mm-hmm. the good in life is mm-hmm. and last question for you um when you notice the fear or the self-doubt come pop up for this is bringing it up to kind of the short term the immediate um, when you notice that popping up, especially regarding this coming summer, what do you do? How are you taking that on? I do. <laughs> um, like when you notice that comes up, because it comes up, right? The the little naggy, but what, you know? Actually, I feel like I had more trouble at the beginning than I do now. I feel like the one of the reasons why I wasn't really sure whether I wanted to come back was because 
I, I was going through that emotional roller coaster of what what if I don't do as well or what if because um, I, I actually had a pretty fall summer where I didn't have any PR issues, no car issues, no no type of issues. So I was pretty grateful for that. But it was like, I was thinking, well, what if I do have car issues this summer? What if I do have PR issues? What if I don't sell as much and things like that? And I also didn't want to be the guy who like does very well his first summer and then doesn't do as well his second summer. And I talked to Edgar about it and basically told me, well, if you think about it, all of those things that you are scared of are not necessarily because you're scared of that but because you're scared of like what other people are gonna think about you mm -hmm. they, like let's be honest like the only reason why you're focusing on things like that is because of what you said what i said which is that you don't want to be seen as that guy the, the 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 next upcoming summer and that's basically that is literally based around other people's opinions which you you shouldn't really care you know mm-hmm So that's how I felt at first. And right now, honestly, I feel very confident. I feel like as long as I put uh, effort into my preparation, into my systems, like you guys say, like just work mm -hmm. on your systems and mm -hmm. when the pressure comes, you'll fall to the level of those systems. That's mm -hmm. that's why I'm doing the interview. That's why I'm practicing my sales talk. That's why I'm doing uh, infos, day ones, because I know it's going to help me. And as long as I keep doing that and yes. I keep working, I'm pretty confident yes. I'm going to do well, whether, whether yeah. I, I sell a lot or not. Yes. 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 I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you. This was really enjoyable. I really enjoyed this. Thanks for listening to this conversation with Virgie. If you want to support this, make sure to give some feedback. Now, let me leave you with some words from Anne Ashford. If all I ever wanted to do in life was to sit down and talk to you, would you listen? Thanks for listening and hope to see you next time.